Unfolding the eternal excellences, the hidden insights of the truth and the depth of the riches of wisdom and knowledge. The Bible says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have not pointed to your weaknesses. He says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have pointed to your strength. And this is your strength, that I am Christ in you, the hope of glory. The glory of freedom, the glimpses into eternity. The gospel is not supposed to be an assumption. It's not supposed to be just a mere presupposition. Truth is older than language, but the word of God is way deeper than any human language. And now, Apostle Grace with the word. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Father, we thank you. Amos chapter 8, verses 11. Will I preach? <laughs> Praise the Lord. The Holy Spirit is good, isn't he? Uh-huh, one, two, three, let's go. Behold, the day is come, saith the Lord God, that I will send a famine in the land. Not a famine of bread, nor a thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. And the Bible says, and they shall wander from sea to sea, and from the north even to the east. Praise the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says they shall what? Wander from sea to sea, and from north even to the east, they shall run to and fro to seek the word of the Lord and shall not find it. Uh-huh. And in that day shall the fair virgins and the young men faint for thirst. Hallelujah. I have shared on this portion of scripture many a time, but every time I look at it, I see another direction of of. of of revelation, so to speak. You see, when the Bible says that the entrance of your word brings light, some people never understand that there are two kinds of lights or two kinds of illuminations by the Holy Spirit. The primary place of illumination is a place when the scales fall off your eyes to have the ability to see as a spiritual man should see. Because many people are physical, carnal, and they're born again, but they stay with carnal eyes. You understand what I mean? They stay with carnal eyes. So, certain people, even though they say, me, I'm born again, I'm set apart, everything in their lives is what? Carnal. And because you're dealing with the carnal people, even when you want to explain something spiritual, they will not see it in the way it should be seen. So many a time when, 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 when God speaks about opening our eyes or the primary lines of illumination, it is a place where God wants to get to your eyes and open them so you can see in the spirit as you ought to. Because the very law that set us free, which is the spirit, the law, the, 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 the law of liberty. You know some versions call it the law of free, the, 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 the law of free man. That place where God has deliberated to, 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 to open our eyes to freedom is the ability he has given us to see in every dimension of the spirit. I don't know if you understand what I mean. And after that, when the place of illumination on our eyes is set forth, you realize that the next place of darkness 
is in the world. I don't know whether I'm making sense. I don't know whether I'm, I'm making sense. The, the, there, is, there is darkness in the world. There are people who are blind in their eyes, but they, they are in a world which is also full of darkness. So that when, when God opens a man's eyes to see, and a man starts to see in the spirit, you realize that the first thing visible to you is the darkness. You start to walk and realize that certain people are not really born again as we think to. You start to realize that you're different from certain people. You start to think that certain things that are easy with certain people are hard for you to do. You start to think, how come he's walking on the streets and he's doing this and it's, it's not right, but he can't see that it's not right because you have been what? Illuminated. Praise the Lord. However, as you walk in the spirit and learn to know God, then God turns that place of illumination and also starts to cast the light on the things around you to create light in the, in the world, which is dark. Hallelujah. But that kind of light that floods out into the world that is dark also is the kind of light that you need to flood out in the things of the spirit for you to have revelation of the things that seem hid yet they are not. When Jesus is speaking about the gospel, when the Bible says that this gospel is hid to them which are perishing, it means that the gospel is not as visible as many people think. The things of the gospel are not as visible as many people think. And that is why the Bible says Jesus started to expound from the, the things that he has hid or he had hid from the foundation of the world. That means there are things that God hid back in those days and every time Jesus started to speak to people, he would pick up the things which were hid and reveal them unto them. That is why he says in Matthew 13, 35 that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet saying I will open my mouth in parables and I will utter things which have been kept secret from the foundation of the world. When you start to walk in the spirit realm you realize that there are things that are not visible to every man but they are visible to a man to whom the Lord illuminates. That's actually the stage of growth in the things of the spirit. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. That's another stage. The word, logos, was God. The same was in the beginning with God. And all things were made by him, and without him was not anything that was made. Uh -huh. In him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shineth in darkness, and darkness comprehendeth him not. And the next verse says, there was a man sent, John ends there. And many people think that that's where the mystery ends. Do you get what I'm saying? If John was not interrupted to, if I mean the writer was not interrupted to bring out the story of John, you, you, you follow with me. In the beginning was the word. You just watch this, okay? You, let's go back. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. The same was in the beginning with God and all things were made by him and without him was not anything that was made was made in him was life and the life was the light of men uh -huh. and the light shineth in darkness and the darkness comprehendeth him not there was a man called John he has skipped something there is some way deeper in there because John's definition of beginning is not Moses' definition of Moses begins when the earth is formed. John goes further than that. If you follow the trains of the spirit, you'll be surprised that there's a place in John 
where you meet Moses. He was just narrating a place to really define Moses is in the beginning was <laughs> the spirit of the Lord was hovering over the earth. You understand? He, that's Moses' beginning. That's Moses' beginning. In the beginning, God created the earth and the earth was up. That's Moses' definition of when you come to John, John is farther than when the earth came. And so when, when John starts to explain that in him was the life, the life was the light, it shineth in darkness, darkness comprehendeth him not. That is the darkness that finds the earth that is without form. I don't know whether you understand, Brenda, tell you. Hallelujah. 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 So when God says in the first dispensation of Genesis, like that there be light, he's actually speaking forth the manifestation of that light that John was speaking out about way before its manifestations. Praise the Lord Jesus. But anyway, I'll go, I'll go, I'll go to another place. So the, it's okay that your eyes are open, but it's another thing that God should open your eyes to bring light to the world which is dark, but also to be illuminated when you're walking in the spirit realm. That the things which are hid are now revealed unto you. Praise the good Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. And the reason why it is important for people to have the ability to see in the spirit realm. You realize that. Let me show you something in Psalms. I think I. I, I should show you something in Psalms. 74. Verses 9. Look at that kind of confession. The Bible says we see not. We see not our signs, titi. There is no more prophet, titi. Neither is there any among us that knoweth how long. The guy said, we see not our signs. We see not our signs. The, God, the, there was a situation, a circumstance, as, as, as retorted in the book of Psalms, when people were existing in a world where they could not see their own signs their own signs their individual signs the bible says in the book of ecclesiastes that for every purpose under the earth there is season and there is time there is season and there is time for every purpose under the earth to everything there's a season and a time to every purpose under the earth that means if god has to purpose on the earth he purposes on the dispensation of season and time everything that will ever happen on your life if it is stuck to the purpose of God it will always have its own season and its own timing the place of season is the vibe he sends out in the spirit to sense its coming the place of the times is the place of your nipping in it's the place of your getting in it's, your pla it's the place of your getting a hold of Every man in this world has an appointed time. That is why the Bible says in Acts that he has created of, every, of, of, of all, all, all nations one blood to settle under the sun. Uh -huh. And has determined the times, are you hearing me? Before appointed and the boundaries of their habitation. There, it may be that there are seasons for us as a church, but every individual has their own time. Every individual has their own time. Every individual has, they, we can say that this is a place we're going to be, we're praying to God to be filled with the Holy Spirit. But every individual has their own time of being filled. I don't know whether I'm making sense. We can say that this is a, a season of increase, but every individual has their own time of getting a hold of that increase. And there are people who sit in that very season and know that it is there and it never benefits them. 
not because it could not have benefited them, but they know not their signs. That is why the scriptures speak of the children that the people God gave uh, David. The Bible tells him he gave him men of mighty war. He gave him men which were wise in all senses. He gave him men which were prophetic. But the Bible says, but of the sons of Ishaka, he gave him men of understanding of the times to know what Israel ought to do. Because every time there is an understanding of the times, people know what to do. The reason why somebody says, I don't know what to do. I'm in this, but I don't know what to do. It is because there is no what? Understanding of the times. And there is no way a man will ever understand the times if he can't sense the signs. So that is how it works. Seasons come. Signs are stirred up in the lives of men. And when the signs are stirred up in the lives of men, consequently, men get a hold of the understanding of the times. And when men get understanding of the times, they know what to do. You understand? And when men know what to do, that's the primary place of prevenient grace. That is the distinctive definition of sunesis. Many people speak of the wisdom of God, sunesis, the critical faculty. Every Christian has a critical faculty. That critical faculty is the thing that causes you to move faster than anything submitted to the earthly time. For you to redeem the time not time for you to redeem the time so when Paul says let us redeem the time for the days are evil he's not saying let us redeem time no he's saying let us redeem the time that means there is the time for every child of God to function so the place of sunesis the wisdom which is critical in every child of God is for somebody to respond to every sign given that now fronesis which is the mind of the spirit in every child of God to determine the mode of action beholding the end in sight takes effect. That means that you don't just know how God is going to move. You can determine how the miracle will happen. Whether you spit on dust and open the eye or you just speak to it, it will open. You will determine that course when the word comes out of your mouth every other day and in your spirit is meditated. He says that thou may observe to do what is written therein that thou mayst have good success and thou mayst make your way prosperous. That place of making your way prosperous is phronesis. Making your way prosperous. It means that when God gave you the word, he didn't determine how far you would move with it. He gave it to you to determine how far you will move with it. I don't know that you understand what I'm saying. God did not give you revelation to say this is how far you will go. No. He gave you his word and you now when you carry the word, he said whatsoever you ask, whatsoever. The Bible says he that speaketh the words which are of God or he that is said of God. The Bible says to him is given a spirit without measure. When God gives you Rema and you dig it out of Logos, he has not called you to be limited on how far you can go. He has not called you. God has not designated the human spirit to go how. He said whatsoever. Whatsoever is limitless. It is boundless. It is immeasurable. That's what he says in Ephesians. That the eyes of your understanding will be flooded with light. That you might know what is the hope of your calling. And what is the exceeding greatness of power which is at work within us. Get me there. Uh-huh. Read the Amplified. What does he say? He says, let's read. Uh-huh. By having the eyes of your heart flooded with light so that you can what know and understand the hope to which he has what called you and how rich is his 
glorious inheritance in the saints he set apart ones uh uh-huh and so that you can what know and understand what is the immeasurable and unlimited and surpassing greatness of his power in us who what who believe hallelujah as demonstrated in the working of his mighty power listen immeasurable power is a knowledge and understanding place unlimited power is a knowledge and understanding place a surpassing greatness power is knowledge and understanding can you imagine that by reason of knowledge and understanding you can move in what no man can ever measure you can flow in what no man can ever limit and what any man would define as great you can go that makes you so unpredictable so unpredictable I tell Christians that there is nothing as the glorious life of being unpredictable by people who should or want or wish they predict you and as this word comes in your spirit God creates a certain place of unlimitedness of power immeasurable kind of power that one day they wake up and think you can't do something and then you do it and when they think you're so deep to go more deeper that you do more and tomorrow after that they say no I think this is the farthest you can go they are shocked you do more and that is why I realized that the life of a Christian is supposed to shine brighter the Bible says that the path of the just shines brighter and brighter and to a way a perfect day the message version says uh-huh the ways of the right living people glow with the longer they want they live the brighter they want so by the time you leave this world <laughs> by the time you leave this world even cars are slain on the street Some of you, I don't know, they heard of the story of Grandis on Finney. His train was going through New York City and the power of the Holy Ghost hit the whole city. <laughs> city. 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 Because he, was, he didn't reach New York and say, Father, send your presence in New York. No. <laughs> he loaded himself so much. So much. That when he reaches bodies they can't let me tell you there is a glory nobody can stand leave, leave the theologians who say theology wow you see theology there's a place that's why you realize many theologians don't see god they don't see the miraculous they don't they don't see god they they're too smart for god to move they're too smart too <laughs> too smart for god to move tell anybody don't be too smart for god to move Tell him, but don't be too smart for God to move. So I realized that when soonnesses, that critical faculty comes in your life as a child of God, what God is seeking for is very simple, that you might know your sign. You might know your sign. You, the spirit can come in a room and you know he's around. Then you see a sign and the Lord says, this is what I'm doing in your life particularly look at the man which was around the was it Bethsaida or something the scriptures tell us 
that he dwelt there for how many years? 38 years. And the Bible says, uh-huh, let's continue the next verse. In this lay great multitude of impotent folk who blind hold without waiting for the moving of the water. Uh-huh. For an angel went down at a what? Remember season Ecclesiastes? A certain angel went down at a certain season in the pool and troubled the what? The waters. And the Bible says, whosoever then first after troubling the water stepped in was made whole of whatsoever disease he had. And a certain man was there which had an infirmity how many years? 38 years. Uh-huh. When Jesus saw him lie and he knew that he had been now a long time in that case, he said to him, will thou be made whole? And the man says, the impotent man answered and said, I have no man when the water is troubled to put me into the pool while I'm coming another step it down before me. What was this man's problem? The sign. 38 years he was around something that he could not, he could not sense a sign for. 38 years. Did the seasons come? Every season the angel came. Every season. 38 years. 38 years. 38 years. He's there every time the waters are stirred, but he has no man because he thinks he needed a man. He didn't need no man. He needed a sign. He just needed a sign. If he had a sign, if he felt it in his spirit that the waters are about to heat up, the angel is about to come, he would come closer. I have a feeling that every man which was healed somehow by prevenient grace, Sunesis, used to get closer. Are you hearing me? By the time the angel comes, the guy just boom, and he's healed, he walks out. And so there's this man every time, he's there for 38 years and he can't get something from him. Because he's dealing with a season issue without understanding of the times. That is why Jesus says, you look at the clouds, I know it's going to rain. You look at the other day, I know it's a fair day. But he says, but you know not the signs of the times. You know not. You know not. You know not. You know not. Do you know how many people God has for many times stirred up seasons in their lives and appointed times for him to raise them up. But every time he was about to raise them, they didn't know the signs. And that is why when you don't know the sign, sometimes you'll send a prophet. Are you hearing me? But there are dispensations. That's why we go, when you go back to Psalm 74, 9, he tells you they know not their signs. We know not our signs. We see not our signs. There is no more any of the prophets and none among us that knoweth. You see that? So he says if the sign is not revealed, at least have a prophet. When you have a prophet and you miss the sign, the prophet will tell you, hey dude, the Lord showed me last night that A, B, C, D is happening in your life. But there's a dispensation where men don't see their signs, they don't have prophets, and none of them knoweth. That's the situation in Amos. He prophesied of a time, he himself, God, he said that a time shall come, I will cause a famine. I will cause a famine in the land. Not a, fa- not a famine of bread. Not a thirst of water. But of hearing of the words of God. He intentionally. God caused a famine in the land. He caused a famine in the land. Let me tell you something. There is nothing as bad as having a famine. And a thirst of the word in the world. You understand? There is nothing as having a famine 
in the land and a fast in the land but there is nothing to feel it there is nothing to feel it in Isaiah verse, chapter 30 verse 20 he gave a like experience of people which had eaten bread of diversity okay adversity sorry and the water of affliction but this is what happened even though they ate of the bread of adversity and the water of affliction the Bible says that their teachers were not what removed you understand he says, and you shall, and, and shall not thine teachers be removed into a corner anymore, but thine eyes shall, will, shall what? Shall see your teachers. And what does the next verse say? And thine ears shall hear what behind thee saying, this is the way, walk ye in it, when you turn to the right, and when you turn to the left, uh-huh. and you shall defile also the covering of the graven image of the silver, and the ornament of thine molten images of gold, and thou shalt cast them away as a menstrual cloth that thou shalt say unto it, get thee sent. What happens? And then shall he give the rain of thine seed. The message. Luke 8, 11, The seed is the wine. He shall give rain of thine seed. And thou shalt sow the ground with all. And the bread of the increase of the earth. And it shall be fat and plenteous. And the day shall thy cut of feed in large pastures. Why is there a hope? Because the teachers are still present. It doesn't matter whether they were eating bread of adversity. And waters of affliction their teachers were not what were not taken away so when they sustained the place of the teachers being there as the teacher taught the spirit of God spoke behind their ears go this way go that 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 way and before you know it God is teaching them in the next verse uh -uh, 23 before you know it he starts to give rain on the seed he starts to distribute the spirit on every message they are preaching why? Because there was a presence of a teacher. And thou shalt sow the ground with all, so they could sow seed. And bread of the increase of the earth. And it shall be the fat and pleasures, and the day shall thy cattle feed in large pastures. Why? Because there was a presence of a teacher. So when you read the Psalms, the, 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 the Psalm 74, 74, 9, you realize there are three things. If a man doesn't know his sign, he needs a prophet. If a man doesn't need a prophet, he needs a teacher. You get my point? Such that if I see not my signs, that I shall have a prophet to speak in my life. But if I don't have a prophet to speak in my life, amongst me there shall be one which knoweth, and that which knoweth shall what? Instruct me. Now in Isaiah, that's why I gave you an example. You understand? That's why I give you an example of a dispensation in Isaiah where yes it's true they didn't know the signs they didn't have the prophet but they had the teacher you understand what I'm trying to say but that is not what I'm speaking about in Amos the situation in Amos eh, where we read 8 God himself causes a famine in the land not a famine of bread no a thirst of water, no a hearing of words of the Lord. Uh-huh. Let's continue. And they shall what? Wander from the from sea to sea and from the northeast to the east, and they shall run to and fro to seek the word of the Lord and shall not find it. Uh-huh. And in that day shall the fair virgins and young men faint for thirst. It means there are people who will seek out but won't find it and faint. They are young virgins, they are not corrupted people. They are genuine people who want the word of God in its own originality and life but they don't find it they don't find it 
Now when the scriptures say they shall wander, it, this is not men which are just seated there doing nothing. No. When the scriptures say they shall wander, this is people who are seated there looking for the word everywhere, but they don't find it. They don't just find it. They don't just find it. They don't just find it. Don't be deceived. They will exist a line of prophets. But not the kind of prophets they need. They will exist the kind of teachers. But not the kind of teachers they need. And that is why they are hungry. They will exist the kind of ministry. But not the kind of ministry that answers them. And that is why men walk out of churches these days. Not because they are too evil. But because they don't have answers. We don't speak Christ to them. We speak politics to them. We speak things. I don't know that you understand what I'm trying to tell you. We, we, people want answers. People want answers. I said to the man of God yesterday and I told him, when you look, this I've mentioned sometime before, but let me probably give it light in this dimension. When you look at the scriptures, when the Bible says that tarry in Jerusalem until the spirit is come, the spirit indeed did, did come in Jerusalem. And men were supposed to be witnesses. But the places of witness, you realize that the first place when the Christians were filled with the Holy Ghost, the first place that they have to bump into was Antioch. And the scriptures speak of a place where there was much teaching. And that is when men were defined as Christians. You get it? And when you're dealing with those kinds of Christians, you realize that even when Acts 13 speaks of the teachers and prophets, okay? The message version calls them prophet teachers. The congregation in Antioch was blessed with a number of prophet preachers and teachers. A number of prophet teachers and preachers. They were not just men which were prophesying. I see, I see, I see. There were men who could teach. There were men who could preach. I don't even understand what I'm trying to tell you. There was Barnabas, Simeon, nicknamed Niger, Lucia, Siren, Manayan, and advice of the ruler Herod, Saul, and all these guys. And the Bible says, when while they prayed and fasted, the spirit told them, separate me, Paul and Barnabas, for the work which I have called them. You realize that that kind of prophet teacher is working in aligning Paul for the gospel where God is sending him. And then another Agabus comes. You understand? And the Bible says there was one Agabus which prophesied the darts. He prophesied the famine and it came to pass. And everybody knew that Agabus was deep. And the Bible says he comes and finds Paul's clothes, puts it around and says the owner of this what? Gado shall be delivered into the hands of the Gentiles. Uh-huh. And when he had had these things, both we and they of the place besought him not to go to Jerusalem. Uh-huh. And Paul answered, what mean ye to weep and to break my heart? For I'm not only ready to be bound only, but also to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord. Because even though Agabus sees me bound, Agabus doesn't see the divine assignment on my life. I was commissioned in Acts 13 by prophet teachers to go where Agabus doesn't want me to go because he sees imprisonment. I don't know whether you understand what I'm trying to tell you. So both of them are prophets, but one is contradicting the apostle. One, one sees that you are called to be an apostle to the Gentiles. We separate you by the hand of the Holy Ghost. Go in the Gentiles and preach. As he goes in the Gentiles, another prophet comes. You're going to be arrested. That's it. Paul tells Agabus, it's a very small thing. Very, very small thing. Don't even cry. 
I must go. I must go. When they were laying hands on me and Barnabas in Acts 13, I believe Paul is thinking. There were words which were spoken. The same words he can tell Timothy and tell him, take heed of the words which were spoken unto you through prophecy by the presbyteries. For by them shall you wage a good war. There is a war that can make Paul stand wedged, not because of his much prayer, but because of the prophetic words spoken on him in Acts 13 that disqualify and disannul any ability of Agabus to minister to him. When Paul is in that dispensation, he will be hungry. He will be hungry. Not because Agabus doesn't exist, but he wants something deeper than Agabus. Because when he's preaching the gospel, he wants an Epaphroditus, an Aristobulus, one which refreshes his soul. Somebody who knows and can share in his bones and tell him, look, I know imprisonment is coming, but I've gone past the realm and veil of what is seen visibly outside, went into the realities of the Christ, and so that it's expedient that you carry this burden. In fact, necessity is laid unto you. But because you lay down the foundation of the gospel as a master builder, even though you are arrested, there is a way you can't die. Why? Because your life is not tagged to how men arrest you or where you preach. Your, your purpose is tagged against revealing the all counsel of God. And that is why Paul's satisfaction is his pure of all men's blood because he's revealed all the counsel of God. If all the counsel of God is not revealed, Paul can't die. You can beat him in Lystra, left him for dead, leave him bleeding and he will dust himself. The next morning the Bible says they left him for dead because they knew Paul was dead. And the next morning he pa, 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 went to David to preach the same gospel that beat him in Lystra because imprisonment is an understatement on the purpose of God upon Paul's life. I wish Agabus saw it. He would not be prophesying. But oh Agabus, how can we even change that? Because you've seen Femi. And it was true. And there's a man who still wants to hear Agabus prophesy Femi. But you see, the church has grown up. I don't know that you understand what I'm trying to tell you. People, people don't want to just hear, but this year you're going to get a house. Ah, we want things money cannot buy. I want to know what God called me to do. I want to know the divine purpose of God upon my life. I want to walk in the fullness of God. I know that Paul knew his number. The Bible says in the book of Psalms, teach us to number our days that we might apply our hearts unto our wisdom. I want somebody who can come and speak in my life. The thing so old. So old. So old. So old. Because those things will tag me to why God had to call me before I was formed in my mother's womb. There is something way bigger than the cars we will drive, the houses we will build and the children will produce. That thing is called the divine purpose of God upon our lives. Paul saw all those things that were gained to him and he counted all it but loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ for whom he counted all things but dung that he may win Christ. Do you realize he wanted to know the excellence of the knowledge. Meaning he knew. But he wanted the excellence. The excellence. The excellence of knowledge. Because the book of Ecclesiastes says that the excellence of knowledge is that wisdom giveth life to a man which has it. That's the excellence of wisdom. That's the excellence of knowledge. The excellence of knowledge is that wisdom giveth life giveth life to a man that has it. When you have it, you will receive a certain life. That's what Ecclesiastes says. For wisdom is a defense and money is 
defense. But the excellence of knowledge, which Paul is, 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 is fighting for, is that wisdom giveth the way. He giveth the way to them that have eat the wisdom. He's excelling in God because he wants to move in a certain life in God. He wants to move. In fact, when Paul says, I'm dead, yet I live, he lived a life in God where he was too confused anymore whether he was still a man or he wasn't. I don't know that you understand what I'm trying to tell you. So, when, when that famine came, this is what the Lord has, had said to show, to show me just a few days ago. I'm in the spirit and I'm carried and I'm seeing the word <laughs> failing oracles. You get my point? And I see men which are walking and fainting. They're trying to speak things but they don't become sound doctrine. They are just words. I don't know I'm trying to tell you. But even as they are laboring to do these things, they are becoming weaker and weaker. As they open their lips to utter what they believe is the word of God, they realize that as these words come out, the oracles fail. And their beauty is what? It's scarred. And their glory is brought to dust. Why? Because what they define as revelation is no longer revelation in the ears of men. And it's one thing for a man to know his state. It's another when a man doesn't know his state. It's one thing when a man is still in the presence of God and is sick in the face every day and is preaching the gospel every day and the brooks are so dried <laughs> and his countenance is so compromised and he stands in front of people every day and what he feels is deep and life is actually nothing to the men who hear him. But his conscience has been so seared to even discern the true place and examine himself whether he's still been the faith. And for such, I saw places where preachers were judged by men which had them. I don't know what I'm trying to tell you. Teachers were judged. They were weighed by the valleys of Ashkelon, like Samson says. And I saw that many men were weighed and found wanting. Why? Because every time they were trying to delve into depths of ministering Christ, he was not the Christ in whom they lived, moved, and ministered through by reason of the dispensation of his ministry to them. It was the place of men which had, by reason of exercising their senses only. You see, there's a place where you can exercise your senses to know what is good and evil. And that's where many men end. Are you hearing me? But there's a place where your senses are no longer central. Because even though it's important for a man to know what is good and what is evil, there's a depth for a man to only know one thing, Christ dead and resurrected. So it is not wrong to exercise your senses on the things outside. It's important for you to know the things inside as well. If I'm a prophet, for example, I want to know why you slept, what you didn't eat. That's okay. That's the outside things. But when I get in God, I better get out revelation as well. I better dig mystery also. Prophet teacher. Prophet teacher. That I don't only see the things of the outside to reveal them because they're behind the veil of time. I can also go into the things of Christ which are within. 
Because for so long we've ministered on the outside. For so long. And that is why we are not ministering. We are just teaching and preaching. Simple exhortations to the lives of men. Every day, 45 minutes, we pray. Hello, then they go back home. One hour. Then they go back home. And every Sunday, people are coming in and they're going out. They get tired. They get tired. There is a move coming up. Where the spontaneity of the Spirit of God is about to change even what men define as church service. You will wake up in the morning, you know we are going to praise and worship, and after that, you are going to send, read announcements, and they give, and then the preacher gets on the pulpit and preaches, and then you get in the service, and as they worship and pray, God comes. God comes. God comes. And when he comes, men will sit in that presence and weep for hours, and walk back home without any sermon preached but ministered to by God. Some of you know that there is nothing as beautiful if, if you've ever been filled by the Holy Spirit and you've ever experienced God in a way. There is just what that place does to you. That place when he came on your life and nothing ever seemed to matter. You understand what I'm trying to tell you? And you didn't care whether you had parked in front or behind or your car was scratched or it had a funeral sticker. But all you needed was just God because you wanted him to come in your spirit. Mess you up so bad. It didn't matter whether they carry you back home. All you needed was God. That is what church is supposed to be. We're dreaming of places where Christ is going to come back in churches again. Eh? That people's eyes will be opening while people are preaching. That deaf ears will open while people are preaching. That the lame will walk while people are preaching. That dead men will be raised while people are preaching. While we're in the middle of worship and praise, broken bones will get in order and in line. And it shall be okay to extend service another 15 minutes because the Holy Ghost needs it. We're hungry. We're hungry. We're hungry. Listen, some of us, we even became a problem to certain people. Not because we're really bad people, no. People failed to understand we were not complicated people. We were just hungry people. We were just thirsty people. Someone's in churches that become like Nigerian movies. You knew where the, when a pastor started to preach, you knew where he was going. It was it was like you knew to God be the glory. The guy is beaten by his wife, then the wife also beats him, bewitches the girl, the girl dies, and then they go to a pastor who prays, and then the pastor, the, the witchcraft, witchcraft comes back to the guy, and then smile the demons are destroyed to God be the glory. A man opens a scripture and you already see the end of his conversation. Why? Because we are no longer moving in the spirit anymore. No, we are meaning being ministered to and us ministers are ministering from a dispensation of too much experience it's about time the Holy Ghost slapped what men call experience to a place one day when a man will stand on a pulpit and realize that what he defines as experience is no longer relevant why? because if I have cancer I don't need experience I need cancer out of my body if the doctor said I have HIV I don't need experience I need HIV out of my body if my child is about to die I don't need a mystery. I need healing. Healing. They told us that Jesus is alive. They told us that he works. We didn't believe a dead God. We didn't believe a dead God. We didn't believe a dead God. We listen. 
I don't know whether you're tired like me. I got tired of church politics. I got tired of people who are ministering to me. They don't even know where they're taking me. They even don't know also where they're going. And people stuck. Every day, you get in church and say, the sick stand up and almost the whole ministries are sick. Now, am I against any man of God? I am not. Because I've gotten the understanding that sometimes if Moses gets you out of the wilderness, I mean out of Egypt and puts you to the wilderness, maybe it's another generation to get you from the wilderness to the promised land. They are not the problem also. But our generation must also wake up and understand we can't take men around Mount Seir for 38 years. You have been around this mountain for so long. Leave the wilderness and go to a land that flows with milk and honey, no bees and cows, but it is flowing anyway. It's a crazy life of faith. Crazy life of faith. Where men will live on the edges of faith. You find a lame man on church premises and ask him, what do you want? And he tells you, I want you to walk. I want to walk. And you tell him right now. When everybody sing on Kampala Road, right now, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. And that man will walk. The world will know that we were called of God. I told people one time they called me in a village. I prayed for the maddest woman around, and the whole village got born again. I realized we are speaking too much politics. Christians are speaking too much. We are I, I got we are speaking too much instead of seeking God. We are we're speaking too much. The Bible says there's a way that seemeth right to every man. Hey, we, we have this kafaya that burns in us that wants us to speak every time, but without substance. I don't know if you understand what I'm trying to tell you. Now, there's somebody who even doesn't understand what I'm saying. Because they feel they are okay. I'm not trying to get you out of a place of being okay. I'm trying to open your eyes to the understanding that when men were hungry and thirsty, they didn't put their hunger in themselves. They didn't put the thirst in themselves. The famine was entirely sent by God because he needed to move the church to another level another level now notice the bible says they shall move sea to sea let me explain this eh? sea to sea from sea to sea mediterranean dead sea mediterranean dead sea mediterranean dead sea is in the south mediterranean is in in the west okay and north even to the east and they shall run to and fro to seek the lord of the word of the lord and shall not find it now this is what's happened when you read the east and west in the scriptures eh? because when you see the first sea Mediterranean and the east eh? okay, you realize that east and west is the movement of the sun eh? I mentioned something like that in the last meeting but I didn't go deep and I want to go deep today when you realize when, when men face the east okay the sun rises from and sets forth to the west. Okay. Now when the Bible says that the entrance of your word brings light, the place of the sun is a figurative definition of the word of God entering and it what? Going out. You realize that when they moved sea to sea from Dead Sea to Mediterranean, they first went to where the word was going out and realized they didn't have an answer. Then they moved north 
And then after that went where the word was entering in. And still for not. I don't know whether you understand what I mean. They began from, from the south. Where the Dead Sea is. Okay. Where also Jerusalem is. So they left church. And went. They left. Because if Dead Sea is just next to the church. Jerusalem. Why would they need to go to the Mediterranean when Jerusalem is there? I don't know if you understand what I mean. So they go to the Mediterranean where the word goes out. Anywhere the word was released. Found there was no answer. They went to the north. You understand? And after going to the north, they went now to the east. But you see, the place that they, huh, huh, all they are looking for is just the connection between how the word enters and how it should go out. I don't know if you understand. How should the word come into my spirit? And how should it come out? Because I see men which can't have words coming out of them. But those words don't look like they really entered them. You get it? Because if they did, then faith would be unfeigned. But in that dispensation, like Timothy, their faith is feigned. They speak of a God who heals, but he doesn't heal. And they can't make him heal. They can't believe him to heal, but they speak him every way. So you, you judge and say no. If you're saying that God makes men this, how come it's not working? It means it didn't come out of your spirit. It came out of head knowledge. You read notes. You read a nice book. I don't want something that comes from a nice book. I want something that comes from God. I want something that comes with a life. That when you say God is a healer, he must heal. When you say God comforts, he must comfort. When you say God uplifts, he must uplift. When you say God multiplies, he must multiply. When you say God increases, he must increase. When you say God speaks, he must I realize that even though you're telling me all these wonderful words of God you don't really believe them they're not in your spirit because you've not gotten to the end of the commandment and I know why you're not yet at the end of the commandment because you're still in the north and you don't understand that every time they speak of north okay every time the Israelites speak of north they spoke of the left hand because their dispensation of allegiance always looks into the east where the sun comes from. So when the sun is here, north. And that is why Peter can cast nets all night on the left. <laughs> and then Jesus tells the guy, cast your net this time on the right hand side, which is the hand of grace. Which is the hand of grace. Because the left hand dispenses men in the commandment, which is the law. And the letter killeth. It killeth. This is not me. No. He said the letter killeth and the spirit giveth life. If indeed you are of the spirit, how be it that the life of God is not demonstrated in your life? How is it that Jesus is not shown forth out of your spirit dead and, 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 and resurrected if indeed you are preaching the spirit? People are not preaching the spirit. Many people don't even know the difference between law and grace. 
People think grace is a doctrine of what? Sleeping around. Some people even say, oh, they tell people you can sin anywhere you want. You don't even need to fast. You don't need to repent. You know, I know why they're saying that. They've lived in the north for so long. So long. And we're not going to make defenses on that. No, let them watch us. Fasting and lose weight. Let them watch us. Praying and giving tithes. Let them watch us. Living a holy life. Praise the Lord Jesus. Because you can't debate against fruit. You can debate the elitisms of ideas in an egalitarian setting, but you can't debate fruit. Fruit is fruit. You, a guy either has God or he doesn't. Let me tell you, this generation has gone into a place where you either have it or you don't. Tell what's a middle ground. You, you can't politicize it. You can't even fake tongues anymore and say, Koro, bo, bo, bo. Koro. Me, I told people, I was in a meeting and people were speaking in tongues. The Holy Ghost told me those are not tongues. I said, what? He told me there are no tongues. He said, cast them out. I said, in the name of Jesus, I cast those fake tongues out. And people fell down and started rolling on the ground like snakes. That on you, Misa. You can't convince me that because a Christian is, therefore he's so deep. No. Men have received another Christ, another spirit, and another gospel. Don't think that spirit doesn't give tongues. The reality of the spirit must change our lives in a certain way men must look at us and say there were people that walked the surface of this earth but that woman had God so when, when I studied that I realized that when they go to the going out and see they don't have an answer they go back to the oldest which is the law fine none come back to the entrance because they realize that the way the word enters and the utterances that are dispensed have so much to do with how God can feel men and how God works and moves you understand now let me show you something when the consciences of men are seared and their ears are grossly waxed like the scriptures speak the scriptures speak of men who want to hear what they're eating ears here. And no ear can eat without a grossing. Okay? I don't know if you understand what I'm trying to say. I've come to the realization, and some of you will agree with me, Christians, that there are many people who seem like they hear God, but they hear their minds. Yeah? they hear their minds and when a man listens to his mind for so long he creates reason and when a man creates reason it can be validation for mystery you get my point that is why I told people one day that there are things in God you can never search out there are things in God that can only search you out I don't know they understand what I'm trying to tell you when he says that I shall show you great and unsearchable things you can only pray and say God. As in, because when in, in the book of Revelations, when he talks about those which have ears, let them hear what the Spirit is saying to the seven churches. And he speaks of the place where to him that shall overcome, to him that overcometh. I think it's 2.17. Revelations 2.17. Uh -huh. He that had an ear, let him what? Hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He says to him that overcometh because it was the ultimate war to hear. 
who understands. It was the ultimate war to hear. The ultimate war was not the demon of the uncle. The ultimate war was the hearing of God. I know they understand. And the Bible says that the Spirit says unto the church that overcometh, will I give to eat of the we stumble on something called hidden manna in the book of Revelations. And we realize that in the Old Testament dispensation, all manna was visible. But when we come to Revelations 2 7, we realize there is manna hidden. It's not visible. You don't just see it, it's not direct. You don't get it just direct. Like everyone thinks, it's not as visible as can see. That means it's not a place where many men tap. It's a place where men, many men can't tap because they don't have a certain line of hearing of the spirit explaining because it, behind every word of God there's a spirit that explains. Like he's speaking about the seven churches of God. Every church was explained by the scriptures but behind every explanation there was a deeper explanation of the Holy Ghost and the anointing that abideth in you the Bible says shall teach you and the same shall teach you to abide in him. And that's when I realized that the true distinction of a man who's taught in that dimension has a causing of that man to abide in God. I don't know why. If a man ever walks so deep and you see him out of God, that man was not feeding from that dimension. There is a place, <laughs> there is a path where no fowl, you remember, goeth, and where no beast can creep. There is a place where the, the devil can't find there's a place, there's a path in God where the devil, even if the devil says let me try to go, he can't find it. There are people who are too hid to be found in God. But I realize that the spirit starts to teach us and when he teach us, teaches us you realize the same shall teach us to abide. And that is when I realized that the place of abiding is not a sentimental instruction. It is a place of knowledge. Men abide to the levels they know. If you don't know, you can't abide. So when somebody says, I'm trying to pray, but I don't have the strength, there's something you don't know. There are things when you start to know them, they'll get you out of the closet to remind you that you've not eaten. Why? Because every line of abiding has a place of teaching and instruction. It is out of the abundance of the things God has spoken to men that causes them to dwell therein more. Why? Because every time the word of God is flooding a man's spirit, there is a way it makes that man feel. As we look and, and behold like in a mirror, we are changed, we are metamorphosed to the very image and likeness of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And therefore, through desire, a man having separated himself, the scriptures say he intermittent with all kinds of wisdom. And before you know it, he can't find peace. He's in the word. He can't find sleep. He's in the word. He doesn't have appetite anymore. He's in the word. He's in prayer mountains. He's everywhere. He just wants God. Why? Because there's a certain desire that has been sparked by a certain zeal of God produced in that man by reason of the things he's stumbling on as he moves in the spirit. That is why in Revelations 5 when he speaks of the angel with eyes, you realize the plural sense of those eyes is not just the eyes that tell the future. It is the eyes that can tell present, past and future. That place of, that is likened to, to, to the kingdom of God and, 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 and the household of, 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 of a man from whose treasure floweth both old and new. I don't know whether you understand what I'm telling you. That place where 
Somebody is. Every scribe that is. Instructed. And to the realm of heaven. Okay? Because the Greek word there is the realm. Is likened to a man that is an householder. Which bringeth forth out of his treasure. Now that treasure Paul talks about in other verses. Yeah? Both what? New and old. That means when that man speaks, he has the oldest of knowledge and the newest of things. He has the oldest of knowledge and newest of, of things. I don't know if you understand what I mean. So he says he gives that man a hidden manner. Things certain men eat, but it's not visible. And the scriptures say, and I will give him a white stone. And in the stone, not on, but in the stone, a new name written, which no man knoweth, saving he that receiveth it. And when you go in the old Greek cultures, when men were given white stones, eh? when men fought battles and they beat beasts and they were in arenas and they fought heavier warriors and they defeated, they were given white stones. And those white stones by the Greek culture were that every time that man carried that white stone and took it anywhere, he was supposed to access anything he needed by the expense of the public. Do you understand what I mean? That is access. He means without money you can buy. It means that you are you are the chariot of Israel, Elisha. But Israel is not your chariot. You, you can keep an army, but the army can't keep you. Because everything you need is at the expense of men. You get my point? So that translated from Greek to the realm of the spirit, it means that that man has something. And in that something, there is a particular name the Lord calleth that man. And it's as though the name of that man is in that thing. That means that his name is in the thing which can access anything he needs at the expense of anybody spiritually. Now let's, let's leave the physical experience. Let's walk in the spirit together. If I'm to carry that same picture and figure in the spirit realm, it means I carry something and in that something is a particular name which me and God knows only nobody knows it that even if he's in a meeting and he speaks that name nobody will know except the man which has that thing do you understand but when that man is walking in the spirit realm of that very experience and he carries that thing if in the physical the greek guy could access everything he wanted at the expense of the public what would be for that man in the spirit when he's moving he will access everything necessary at the expense of every spirit in that world that is why when Paul is in that dispensation, he says whether Apollos or Paul, whether things present, whether the world or things to come, for all are yours and your Christ. It means that when a man walks in the world, in the, in the world of the spirit, indeed the spirit is the thing, reveals the things that were freely given. Says that when you're in the spirit realm, you don't waste time on the things freely given. You invest your time on the things necessary. And Paul in that dispensation can say all things are permissible because I carry access to them by the stone but not all things are beneficial. So what is beneficial? 
What is beneficial? What really makes a Christian? What really makes a man a man of God? What really makes you the Christian that is supposed to be? It is more than the money we have. It's more than the cars we have. It's more than the houses we have. It is that definition and distinction wherewith we carry in God that when men meet us and we speak about this Christ, they can really say, "Uh uh-uh, this is God. This is God. Where is our reward? Save the depth of God in the inside of us. That place where the Holy Ghost in us searches the deep things of God and his knowledge the scriptures say break all depths and he begins with the depths that are inside us to break us more deeper and deeper that the end of our lives when men look at us they realize that there are things that came out of us listen if God can make a normal man mortal are you hearing me and put him in a sleep and get out something out of a rib and out of that rib create another man with a brain and eyes and ears. Normal mortal man. And they tell you that a normal human being has 24 ribs. Do you understand what I mean? Even if there were only two ribs. Do you realize that if didn't come out of Adam a baby? If came out of Adam. Phew, But stages of adolescence, my growth of what? If came out of Adam, full, a hundred percent full. That means, even though Adam is walking like a normal man, there's a certain sleep he can go into, and another man comes out, and another sleep, and another man comes out, and another sleep, and another. How many brains do you have in you? How many eyes do you have in you? How many ears do you have in you? And then he says, that is not even the Adam I'm talking about. (laughs) I'm talking of another Adam. The other Adam is not from which you get life. He's a life giving. That means that life is in his power. Life is in his power. Life Life is in his power. It's not in his yielding. Like the first Adam. The first Adam yields and life comes out. The second Adam just decides. Because he's yielded. Jesus doesn't need to be put to sleep. Uh -uh. Do you understand what I'm trying to tell you? He is a hundred percent God. He's the Lord from above. I don't know if you understand what I'm trying to tell you. He comes with a life-giving spirit. A life-giving spirit. That is why the breed he produces. The breed that comes out of him. The breed that comes out of his system. It is it is different he he says and so it is that is born of the spirit you know it's not where they come or where it bloweth but you feel them they are like men but they are not men they are subject to gravity but if they need to preach 
they can disappear and appear in another place. If they feel bored, they can walk out of the boat and walk on water and not sink. They can appear and disappear. They carry terrestrial but also with the glory of celestial. They are imprisoned cells in Colossae. But they have an issue on the people which are in Laodicea. And for those they have not even seen their faces. And he says, I behold your order every day. And I joy with you. This is a man who is in prison. He's not a prophet. He's just another seed. Of the Adamic. And that Adamic, in all humility, tells Pastor Zach. And of these things I have done, you shall do greater. You, 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 you shall do greater. You, you shall do greater. Why? Because I'm disappearing. I'm coming back in another act to dwell in you in another realm. Seated and exalted above high all principalities, given a name that is above every name, that at the sound of that name, not that the saying of that name. And that is a problem. That is why many people say the name and it doesn't work. Because they say it too much and they can't sound it. The Bible says even the things without life. Giving sound. Carry distinction. So I realized that we are saying the name of Jesus. But we're not sounding it. But he says. that if I know not the meaning of the sound. I become barbaric. And he that speaketh becomes barbarian to me. Christians are saying Jesus every day. But they're just saying a name they can't sound. Because the only person to teach them sounds is the spirit. For the Bible says he sounds the bottomless things. He sounds the bottomless things. It's the aid of the Holy Ghost to give me utterance. Not to just say Jesus. But to sound him. That is why in some healing meetings, some of you realize, I don't even say the name. I just sound it. I don't say anything. I just stretch a hand on a person and they're healed. And people say, how come he was healed and you didn't say anything? Because I sounded the name. Somebody say, I sound that name. I'll sound that name. If the things without without, without life give sound, how much more I which has sound? Say it. If the things without life give sound. How much more I with sound? So, when the word entered. Are you hearing me? I saw that if a man cannot minister from, from that particular place I'm trying to minister to you. The place of utterance is frustrated. Understand? So when Paul in Colossians speaks of the door of utterance, that I may speak as I ought to manifest it. <laughs> We're all praying for us also that God would what? Grant unto us a door of utterance to speak the mystery for which I also, that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. Do you know the meaning of that? Oh, yeah, yeah. Do you know the meaning of that? It means the way to speak the word is manifesting it. If I can't manifest it, I'm not speaking. I would rather not speak until I manifest it. That I may manifest it as I ought to. 
there is, there, is a, there is an acceptable way of preaching the gospel. And that acceptable way comes after the pattern of a man who knows that everything that I must speak must be what is already manifest in me. And that's why Paul says, I would not speak of the things which Christ has not wrought in me. The deception of men who speak things Christ has not wrought in them. And, and let me explain this. Not that necessarily they need to first see the lame man to walk for its manifestation. Because I realize that the primary place of manifestation is its effect to our spirits. That even if I pray for that lame guy and he doesn't walk, I'll know the problem is not me. It is him. I go to another lame guy and pray. If he refuses, I know the problem is not him. I know it is me. Why? Because he has manifested that word so inside me that I can't doubt anything outside. Even if they tell me Lazarus is dead, I can go and make myself some nice steak and rice, eat it and take some tea because I say that Lazarus's sickness shall not end in death. Even if they bury him and he spends four days, I stay confident. That when I come and they tell me, if you are here, they don't understand I am the resurrection. I'm not just going to resurrect the guy. I am the resurrection and the life. I, if I say this sickness shall not end in death, even if you bury him four days, bury him 20 years, you're wasting time. If I appear, he will appear. And when Christ... The Bible says, which is our real life. When he shall appear, we shall appear with him. When he appears, we appear with him. When he appears, we appear with him. When he appears, we appear with him. And that is why when he gets to the tomb, he raises his hands and says, Father, I thank you. Because you always hear me. You always hear me. When did he pray? When he meditated and spoke. For nothing that they say or think shall be impossible with them. That dispensation gets to that tomb and tells Lazarus, Come out. And whether Lazarus is, is dead or not dead, whether he's rotten or not rotten, whether he feels what he, or he doesn't, whether he's this or he doesn't, it just doesn't matter. He has to come out. Because I have a confidence in my spirit that is way deeper than a man's death and burial. He's passing a tree and he says, I curse you. And he didn't die. And everybody says, Well, the tree didn't die. But to him, it's not a problem. When the next day, when they were passing, the scriptures say, He didn't say, You see the tree? No, it's not even a mystery. He just passes like he didn't see. And his spirit says, oh, master, wait, 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 wait. You remember that you cast? It withered. And, and he moves on because he's thinking, what did you expect? That kind of man is too surprised when dead men don't raise. He's too surprised when a deaf ear doesn't. Too shocked. And then he realizes the problem with Peter. Peter has a human faith. He tells him, if you have the God kind of faith, You'll speak to this mountain. Be removed and thrown in yonder place. And it shall be done unto you. Why? 
because you are dealing with a faith which is of men I am dealing with the God kind of faith this is no longer Lubega Grace believing on the Lord to move this is the Lord in Lubega Grace believing on he says I'm dead yet not I live but yet I, not I but Christ liveth in me and the life that I now live I live by the faith of the son that's why I realize that we've lived so much with faith in the son that we cannot know how to function in the faith of we have believed so much in Jesus that we can't even allow him to sit in us and believe they don't understand that our primary need to believe in him was for him to come in us and believe but we stayed believing in the one who was supposed to be in us believing. So that means even our faith is not supposed to be our faith. It's not our faith in God. It's half the God kind of faith. It is not trust in the Lord only. No, it's half the God kind of faith. This is God inside you. Believing. That when you come to a blind eye, it sees God coming. He doesn't see Julius, Rogers, Peter. No, it sees Jesus coming. How can it not open? How can it not open? He's, he's my witness. They, they gave a testimony in their church. I was going to preach there. And when I came like this, I, like, was I, I don't know, parking or something? Like, th th there was a demon-possessed girl in the church. And, uh, 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 like, Christians, we had gathered praying for the girl. How long? I don't know, around two hours. Mm -hmm. So, this so you were coming to preach in an evening service, and uh, as you're turning in the, in, in, in the last corner of, the, of this road that slopes down, I think around there, because when I calculate the time by which you reached, the lady started shouting that, Apostle Wuyu, Apostle Wuyu. Had she ever seen me? No, she had never. Do you understand? They were rebuking a demon for two hours. When I came close to church, the demon ignored them and said, Apostle Apostle Put your name. Put your name. <laughs> what happened when I reached? When you reached, you, you, the, the lady organized herself and you said, and you sat down to wait to be invited and that was all. The girl sobered up and sat down and had the gospel. When I reached the demon, I saw. I said, "Muveko." I said, "Oh, oh, oh, oh! You're going to enter Mulago and find a tumor on somebody, and you say, Muveko. <laughs> You're going to find a dead man, and you say, "Spirit of death, Muveko." <laughs> Just like that. That is what I'm trying to say. That everywhere you'll go, demons will sense your vibe. They'll feel you move before you even come closer. That the moment you enter church, they'll say, what do you want with us? Because you're living another life. They ended in the east because they realized they could move everywhere. But if the right word doesn't come, they'll never move. They got stuck there. Waiting for the word. Waiting for the word. That's where the young men fainted. Because they were waiting for the word. Are you hearing me? Now I want to submit to you. 
There is something the Lord has released in this season. It's a place of depth of knowledge like I've never seen before. Some of you, you're going to get into a realm of knowing God like you have never before. Father, in the name of Jesus, may the spirit of revelation right now be distributed on the lives of men. Be distributed on the lives of men. Holy Spirit, may the spirit of revelation be distributed on the lives of men because that's all you need. That's all you need. Let the word of God dwell in you richly by faith that you being rooted and grounded in love might know what is the depth, height, and length of our Lord and that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. Somebody speak in other tongues. Speak to Jesus. I see a thing. I see a spirit of revelation. The very spirit of Christ. Just take a moment and speak to God. Come on somebody. There is something happening. I see people receive the spirit of revelation. I see utterance. I see utterance that you will speak it and as you ought to manifest it and that you'll manifest it as you ought to speak it. That as you speak mystery, Christ will be revealed in your lives. Oh! Something is happening. Something is happening. My chains are gone. I've been set free. I call my Savior has ransomed me. Like a flood, His mercy. The message you have just heard was brought to you by Fenero Ministries International. For more information, contact us on telephone number 041-466-4291 or email us at fenerocompala at gmail.com. You can also find us on the web at www.fenero.org. Or better still, feel free to join us every Thursday for our weekly fellowships at Uma Multipurpose Hall from 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. You can also catch the live stream at livestream.com slash Fenero. Fenero, make manifest.